Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 113, Being an Automotive Technician. A lifetime of learning and fulfillment. Um, in this one, I'm going to part of it. Uh, part one is going to be, uh, you know, me, my my life experiences, uh, feelings, thoughts, uh, things I've gone through, so to speak, as far as becoming a technician and certainly being one for uh, 40 years now, uh, as far as in my life. And uh, the second part is going to be, uh, I'm going to be reading from a particular article, which I get, I will give uh, credit to the, uh, certainly the author. And that's, we're going to be talking about kind of the, uh, where we are technology wise, as far as what's being applied uh, in the shop environment with the technician or what can be certainly, um, you know, it's pretty high dollar stuff. And uh, we're going to talk quickly about uh, what the possible earning potentials are for uh, a technician. So it all depends on how you apply yourself. So <clears throat> in any case, uh, just real quick commercial. Uh, I have uh, previously and not that long ago set up uh, the podcast. If you go to podbean.com and do a search for Brad Kyle's MotorWorks podcast, uh, you'll see obviously the main page where you can certainly select from over 100 different episodes now. But in the upper right-hand corner of that page, you'll see a, a, a link that says uh, or an icon that says become a patron. If you click on that, um, you can certainly become a, a patron of the of the uh, podcast, and and uh, there is a subscription available. It's five. I'm asking five dollars a month. You can give less than that. You can give more than that. It's up to you. Uh, but the benefit besides helping to support the podcast and and uh, with continuing education for me, which I can of course then pass on to you. Um, it does, there is about, uh, oh, I don't know, about 12 to 16 podcasts that I've made only available by, through the subscription. And the reason I pick these particular ones is because if you apply what I talk about uh, in your automotive ownership experience, um, there's no doubt in my mind that you can save thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars in your automotive life, so to speak, and hopefully also kind of reduce or, uh, you know, uh, frustration levels because of some of the th- different things I talk about. I mean, some of the titles briefly are like, should I buy an extended service contract? Um, that's probably, there's there's a bunch right there really as far as potentially saving money. I mean, obviously it's up to you, but I think it's good stuff. And so I made it available only as a subscri- subscription type of a thing. So appreciate any uh, help and support you can give on that. <clears throat> Okay, uh, getting back to today, um, I'm going to reference a couple different podcasts you may want to check out uh, previously that, you know, talk about what this one's going to be about, um, you know, just kind of in, in a different way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, first one is episode number 28, which is entitled The Technician Shortage, Who's Going to Work on Your Car? And the second one is episode 41, uh, which is called Training, Career Development, and Life Goals Through Auto Repair. Um, you know, again, I, I, I probably touch on some of the things I'm going to be talking about today, um, but this one is, is uh, just kind of more up-to-date and, and uh, you know, again, different uh, thoughts and, and things that have gone on in my life anyway. And, and uh, again, if you're contemplating being a, a technician, why it might be worth the listen, and, and we go from there. So, 
What's it take to be a successful auto repair technician? Well, um, you know, I've got about uh, 10 or 11 things listed, and let's, let's go through them and see where we are. I, I think, believe it or not, I think one of the most important things is, is you have to have a curiosity of how things work, okay? Um, if you're the type of person that as a kid, uh, maybe you were always, maybe you were taking things apart, much to your parents' ch chagrin, uh, or you just wanted to know, well, how's this work? And, and you're curious. It was a curiosity. And it might even become, had become a, almost a burning desire type of a thing. So um, it, it really, I mean, that's what's going to push you forward as far as being an automotive technician or, or for that matter, anybody that really that fixes things, okay? Um, it's going to keep you motivated. And, and obviously it's a skill and, or a skill set so to speak, uh, a type of personality, whatever you want to call it, that there's, there's a curiosity there. There's a, um, you know, uh, you know, again, it's how does this thing work? And whether it means taking things apart or for that matter, you know, being willing to do some studying, you know, reading and studying and so on and so forth. And I'll talk about that particular aspect more so in a moment. So that's the first item. Secondly, ability to learn many subjects, okay? Uh, you're going to need to know math, English, science. Um, uh, basically, I was reading an article, and, and the claim was, and I agree, is that you must be able to read and comprehend at least to second-year college level minimum. Okay, So there's going to be, you know, in your automotive repair life, there's going to be, you're going to be just reading and reading and studying and applying that information. Uh, it's it's going to be never-ending. I, I am reading every day of my life, okay? And I don't mean, uh, you know, mystery novels or something. Uh, there's always something technical. If you subscribe to different uh, automotive trade magazines, which they're typically free, uh, or maybe it's something you can get uh, if, you're, if you're working at a shop for an employer and they, they don't, you know, give you, hand you anything, uh, you know, ask them, hey, do you get trade magazines every month and we're just not getting them out here or or whatever the case may be. And of course, this, all, this is all available online, so it's not like you necessarily have to be handed a magazine. I, I personally like to read off paper. It's just, uh, it's easier for me, maybe because of my age, I'm sort of old school. But in any case, um, you're going to be reading and studying pretty much the rest of your life. So personally, myself, I, I do, you know, whatever reading I can do. A lot of times it's while I'm eating, frankly. Uh, it's probably one of the few times I multitask. So um, but yeah, always studying, reading, and you know, the math and science skills, there's just, it, it is really kind of amazing. People don't think about the different things that are, uh, applicable when you're working on a car, um, whether it be, you know, laws of science and physics that are applied. Uh, certainly when you're doing electrical work, there's different electrical, um, laws that are applied, Ohm's law and, and about resistance and, and amperage and current flow and, and movement of electrons through circuits. And I mean, it just, it, it's how far do you want to go into it? Okay. So in your schooling, uh, you know, you want to be well-rounded and, and it's going to continue on as you go, you know, through, uh, through life, as far as working on cars, it's never going to stop. So hopefully you uh, enjoy learning. Um, which brings to the item number three, a willingness to learn new ideas, concepts, technical knowledge, uh, repair procedures. Um, it, it's never going to stop, okay? 
Um, you, you definitely have to be, you know, if, if you're of the mindset where you want to learn how to do something and then just keep doing it the rest of your life, um, auto repair is probably not the good, uh, good choice for you. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, doing that kind of a career. You know, we could talk about whatever, you know, uh, bricklayers or something or, or concrete work. And, and I could even be wrong about that. But, you know, there's certainly lots of professions out there that are, you know, hands-on type of work that, that where once you learn how to do it and, and hopefully then do it well, uh, you're just basically doing the same kind of thing over and over again, just at different jobs, different locations, so on and so forth. So auto repair is definitely not like that. Uh, it is a constantly changing, never stopping, um, you know, uh, learning process. Okay. And, um, having said that, there certainly are some, uh, you know, the, the auto four cycle engine operation. No, that hasn't changed in many, 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 many years. Okay. Um, but, there's certainly other things that add on to that and uh you know like i say technology wise i mean at currently at this time on bmws anyway we're at you know uh single or twin turbocharging direct injection ignition uh what's called valvetronic which is variable intake valve opening uh vanos which is variable camshaft timing you have individual coils i mean i've talked about this in in other podcasts so um you know there's oxygen sensors and, and closed loop feedback systems and fuel evaporative emission systems and it just you know uh, AC that works that uh, works differently now we're at R1234YF Freon and so it just uh, it just goes on and on and on okay and obviously uh, learning about and purchasing different testing equipment keeping up on that and you're studying and all the rest of it so uh, never ending process uh, but it certainly keeps it interesting. And, you know, again, if, if you're a person who likes and accepts change to, a, to a, a certain point, I mean, you better be willing to because, again, it's just a constantly moving target. So number four, um, proper time management. OK. And what I mean by that is that uh, it's, you know, getting the most out of your day. OK. Uh, certainly, depending upon the shop you're working in and, and how you either choose or are paid, um, there's what's called the flat rate pay system. Okay. Um, it's, it's not easy, but you are rewarded for becoming more efficient and being more productive. Okay. And for that matter, if you check back through the list, uh, there's a podcast that I do that's called the flat rate pay system. And I explain it. And I really have uh, that particular one. I'm doing it more really to help to explain to the customer what that means. Flat rate pay system. Sometimes people think it's unfair. Um, but I mean, just real quickly, and this is where I bring up uh, proper time management is important. Uh, if you're going to be a technician is in the flat rate pay system, let's just say there's a labor guide and it's a study that's done by the manufacturer of how long does it take to do a particular repair or job from start to finish. And this is for an average technician with average skills and, uh, average tools, let's just say as a, for instance, okay. So let's say a job pays two hours. So you're paid two hours times whatever your labor rate that you get from the, your employer, okay? Or for that matter, if you have your own shop, I mean, obviously, you know how that works out. It's, it's whatever your shop rate is, okay? So if it takes you, as a technician, if it takes you an hour and a half to do it, you get paid two hours. If it takes you two and a half hours to do it, you get paid two hours, 
Okay, it's the same two hours. So if you tend to be a slow worker, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you start thinking that you can just screw around and, and, and not manage your time properly and not be efficient uh, in what you're doing, and you are on flat rate, um, you're not going to be making very good money or certainly not what you could be making. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, go out, they get paid hourly. Okay. Uh, which means maybe it, you might think, well, I don't care. Then I'm going to get paid for when I'm here. Well, your, your employer probably will care. Uh, he's going to be, he or she is going to be potentially checking your efficiency and productivity. It doesn't help them any if you're only working at 50% efficiency. Okay. So, which means now you get paid for two hours, but it, it took you three hours to do the job, okay? When you start multiplying that out in a typical day and a week and a month and a year, uh, you're costing them a bunch of money, okay? So, uh, they may start talking to you about that, finding out, is this a training issue? Do you need more training? Or maybe you're, they're giving you jobs that you're not ready to do yet, okay? Uh, having said that, just realize that, you know, the first time you ever do the first time you the first time that you do something for the first time um it's probably going to take you longer okay uh, don't feel bad about that and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute so uh, but definitely you know watch your time um you know be no, i'm not saying be watching the clock all the time but just be uh conscious of it to some degree so um attention to detail <clears throat> really really important okay um, you've got to pay attention to, or have the ability, I should say, to, uh, you know, did I tighten that nut? Did I, did I torque it properly? Am I following this repair procedure, uh, step-by-step step all the way? Um, you know, did I, uh, did I clean that gasket surface properly? It, it, it goes to, you know, quality of work as well for that matter, but hopefully part of your innate, uh, you know, abilities are that you you do a pay you do pay attention to detail uh, I think it's something that can be learned uh, it's a discipline is what it is okay but hopefully you have that and if not you know you're gonna that's part of the job is you, you better be detail oriented so um, you must have organizational skills and the ability to work with other people okay Organized meaning um, just that, really. Um, I mean, I've worked with guys that, that, you know, the parts come in for a job they're doing, and the, frankly, this is the way I am. I mean, I lay them out, um, you know, open the boxes, take everything out, uh, make sure that the part appears to be visually what I need. Uh, it's not obviously the wrong part. Um, and I lay things out sometimes by, you know, the job, especially if I'm doing multiple repairs on the same car you know, one after the other, I'll lay them out and group them in, okay, these parts are for this repair, and so on and so forth, uh, you know, get rid of the packaging, get it off to one side, um, you know, put it in the recycle bin or the trash or whatever, and, you know, try to keep a, a neat, clean, organized work area. I mean, I've, I've seen guys and work with guys where they open boxes and they throw the boxes off to one side, and when they've taken the part, an old part off the car, uh, they throw that over in the corner. I mean, it's just their, their, their work area looks like a trash bin practically, okay? I mean, that's just, it's not good, you know? You're potentially tripping over stuff and, and all the rest of it. I mean, that's kind of worst-case scenario, but it's also obviously being organized in your work, okay? Um, you know, it, it goes back to you don't want to be forgetting where you are. 
Um, you know, I, I've had customers, I, I work by myself, I have no employees, and I've had customers ask me, well, how do you, you know, if the phone rings, I mean, how do you remember where you are? Well, there's just, there's little tricks you can do. You can leave a tool in an area, you know, that reminds you, like if I'm torquing wheel bolt torques, I'll just leave the torque wrench by that wheel. And so when I come back from the phone call or whatever, talking with a customer, whatever the case may be, it, you know, it obviously, it prompts me to remember, oh yeah, okay, here's where I am. Okay. So it's just, you know, like I say, it's, it's a matter of uh, setting yourself up to where you're organized. It allows you to be able to work efficiently and productively. So, um, and, and work with other people, you know, again, uh, it's no fun working around someone that if you are organized, uh, you, you know, we, we all have personalities and, and there is, you know, people have different ways of doing things. And so, you know, you do have to be able to, you know, get along with people and different personalities. Um, you know, as a technician, we, we potentially are hardly talking to anybody really during a day, maybe other technicians that are in the shop or with, typically it would be with the service advisors. And, um, you know, it, it certainly behooves you if you are a technician or you think about becoming one is, is that is part of the, the, the job really is, is people skills. It's more important for the service advisor to have those, but there's no reason why you as a technician can't develop, um, some good, you know, personal, uh, people skills with other, with being able to talk with people and ask questions and, and, uh, you know, uh, pull information out of them as far as what's wrong with the car from a symptom standpoint, so on and so forth. So number seven, um, you, you better have a willingness to never stop learning for the rest of your career. Okay. I've already touched on that, but it's really, it is something that you can either develop, but there, there needs to be a, almost a burning desire. Okay. Um, it, it definitely is a, uh, uh, a prerequisite or a need to be able to work on cars is, um, you know, being able to be willing to learn constantly and reading and updating and going to training and just keeping your eyes and ears open for, you know, new things and, and so on and so forth. So that, that is definitely, um, I, I would definitely consider it a requirement as far as working on cars. So, Number eight, um, the ability to be sure of yourself, but also be able to question if you have done something wrong and learn and correct your mistakes. Okay. You do, do definitely need to be a reasonably confident person in what you're doing. Okay. Now that will come with time and experience and training. Um, you know, what I, what I wouldn't recommend for someone is to have this, you know, know it all. Uh, I'm always right type. Uh, that's obviously overconfidence or it's a false confidence, okay? Um, but you need to be, you know, sure of yourself, okay? Did I did I torque that bolt properly? Yes, I did. I know I did, okay? And, and move on to the next thing. Um, did I do this repair process properly? Um, but you also have to be willing that uh, if you're moving along in the repair process and you're like, okay, did I do that right? Uh, you know, overconfidence can get you in trouble. You know, I know what I'm doing, uh, you know. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, obviously the, the opposite of that would be so uh, lack of confidence that you, you're constantly questioning yourself all the time. And if you're questioning yourself, so is everybody else going to, okay, because you're going you're gonna to be, uh, <laughs> you're going to be showing your doubt in what you're doing and how you communicate with people. 
So, but also realize too, the best of us, you know, the best trained and and the most experienced. I mean, uh, do we do do I make mistakes? Yeah, yeah, from time to time, I'm human, and I do make mistakes. So there's you kind of have to buffer any overconfidence with. Um, you know, okay, am I absolutely 100% confident that I did that properly, okay? Because there's always the possibility of a part that's bad right out of the box or the part goes bad under a warranty period or whatever, and so it is certainly possible through no fault of yours in the installation process that, um, you know, the part has gone bad. So, uh, but again, and and, and then it becomes, you know, when when you do refix it, or solve the problem or whatever. Um, it's, you know, did I do something wrong? What did I do wrong? How can I, you know, learn from this and not make this mistake again, if it, if it is or was a mistake? So, and apply it. So, you know, don't do that again, okay? And, you know, it, it's, it's okay to make mistakes to be, I mean, we all do it, but the question becomes, what do you do after that, okay? Uh, you don't want to be making the same mistake over and over again, so... Um, I, I think that is a it is a uh, certainly a requirement. I think uh, because otherwise you're just going to be spinning your wheels as far as fixing cars. <clears throat> uh, number nine is I, I think it's important to be able to recognize and appreciate a feeling of accomplishment when something is fixed right, but then be able to move on to the next repair. Okay, I think part of the draw that people don't really think about, especially those of us that do work with our hands for a living, whatever that means, and certainly people that repair things for a living, whether it be, you know, auto repair technicians, plumbers, electricians, um, you know, uh, people that build homes, or uh, there is, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, there is a sense of accomplishment that is potentially missing in a, in a lot of jobs out there and a lot of careers that, you know, if there's nothing certainly wrong with where someone's in management or they have, you know, uh, technical skills. But I, I often wonder sometimes where someone's working on a project that, um, you know, the project isn't, isn't scheduled to be done for another year. And they know that every day they're getting closer and closer to that goal, hopefully. Um, but I certainly have talked with customers who are in management or whatever the case may be. And it's like, well, I was, you know, I ask them when they're picking their car up, well, how was your day? Well, I was in meetings all day. I got nothing done. And you could tell from their body language, it's just like, you know, they're just, they're mentally exhausted and they feel like they got nothing done that day, even though they may know that what they did was towards that goal. And the thing that's about, to me, about like auto repair or, again, I think a lot of different trades where you're using your hands is, you know, if a car comes in broken at the beginning of the day, it's towed in, it won't start, it won't run right or whatever, and at the end of the day it's running properly and it gets driven away by the customer, something happened there. Uh, Maybe even something somewhat magical, okay? And if you're the one who made that happen, there, you know, there is definitely a, a sense of a accomplishment, and, and that's a good thing. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, you finish that job, and it's on to the next one. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I've had many, many, many days, believe me, that uh, where it was like you had a really good day, everything flowed really well, and it was like the money that you made was just the icing on the cake, uh, literally where it's got... You know, that it, the sense of accomplishment was so great that, that it was like I, I almost didn't care if I got paid that day, okay? Um, 
it's almost a euphoric feeling, okay? Um, certainly, you need to get paid uh, <laughs> because, unfortunately, you can't take that good feeling and go buy groceries with it. But, um, you know, on the other side of it is that that's also what kind of pushes you through and keeps you going when you do have bad days, okay, where things just aren't going right, uh, where, you know, maybe other people are wasting your time to some degree. Parts come in that weren't ordered right or it's the wrong part or and you can't keep moving with it with the repair and you know this is where that's part of a situation about like the idea of being able to just switch gears and go to the next job if something like that happens where a part comes in that it wasn't ordered right or it's the wrong part or whatever the case may be uh, hopefully you have other work that you can go okay fine whatever you guys you know uh, order the right part and I'm moving on to this thing over here and you got to be able to switch gears um, so to speak so it's part of a, you know, it's an attitude thing. It's the ability of being able to do that. So uh, number 10, um, you got to have pretty good eye-hand coordination. And, and I think it helps to be, to either develop the ability to be literally omnidextrous, okay? I'm not saying in that regard as far as being able to write left-handed or right-handed. Uh, I can't. Uh, maybe being able to use a hammer proficiently left-handed and right-handed. I can't. Okay, but I certainly have learned to be able to use a screwdriver on either hand uh, pretty well. I've learned certainly to be able to use ratchet wrenches and things like that. Uh, it's it's a matter of different hand tools, and and I think it is a, an ability that can be developed. Um, but it certainly is helpful to where if someone says, "Well, I'm right-handed and I can't do anything with my left," well, first of all, having that attitude and stating that uh, you're right. Okay, it goes back to the adage: if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't. Well, you're right, too. Okay. Either way. Okay. So I, I think it is helpful to, you know, obviously you've got to be able to have, uh, you know, good good hand-eye coordination. You have to be able to have good hand skills. And that does certainly come up, you know, over time. And again, if you're the, the, the child at five years old that was already starting to wanting to take things apart, uh, hopefully you have whatever your age is now, you have a lifetime of, of doing that kind of stuff. And hopefully your parents either, uh, you know, maybe had some basic hand tools. Maybe your dad or mom, you know, would do things around the house, fix different things, stuff like that. And so these tools were available. Um, if not, well, okay. Uh, you know, it, it's something that you, you start to pick up. And, and this is why it was, it bothers me, you know, that, the, that most high schools in this country, in the U.S., have gotten rid of their vocational arts departments. Um, that's a mistake. Um, if you're not exposed to, you know, woodworking and metal shop and leather working and, and stuff like that until you're in college, man, you've wasted, you know, unfortunately someone else has, has caused you to waste a lot of time. Okay. Because you didn't have the opportunity to find out that, Hey, I really like doing this stuff. I really like doing woodworking or I like doing, I like being in metal shop and using my hands and creating things you know, welding something together or, uh, I mean, we had, we had a foundry, we could pour molten aluminum. I, I think maybe some of the reasons they got rid of vocational arts is because they were concerned about liability issues. But frankly, um, you know, it was the, the, uh, thought process of, well, everybody has to go to college, everybody. Well, that's fine. Um, you know, I'm not saying don't go to college, but, 
you know, certainly, like I say, they're taking away the, the opportunity to be exposed to that you realize, I really like working with my hands. That is my gift. And so then it's a matter of finding out, you know, what works, okay? What do you want to do with your hands? So, and, and it becomes hopefully a lifetime of fulfillment. So, um, anyway, so yeah, good eye-hand coordination, okay? Um, number 11, the ability to keep working even through some physical pain, okay? Uh, working on cars, uh, frankly, doing anything pretty much with your hands, uh, especially if it is building things, fixing things, whatever, uh, you're going to get potentially hurt at some point, whether that's a little minor, a little gash, you know, a little, little cut, or your hand gets, uh, you know, not crushed. But uh, there are definitely times when in, in the world of auto repair where you're having to put your fingers, hands, arms into places that are potentially pretty tight. Okay, that's just the way it is. And I mean, I've, I've, I've actually had times where uh, to get my hand up in, let's say, around a transmission or something like that, and I was pushing it up against uh, like the, you know, underbody sound insulation, and where I've actually sprayed silicone lubricant spray on my hand or my arm to be able to make it slip into an area because that's how tight it was, okay? Uh, there's a certain amount of pain that you have to be willing to work through, literally and figuratively, Okay, uh, you don't get to uh, your your typical technician is not getting some sort of a small minor gash or or a cut or something. I mean, the only time I put a band aid on is to stop bleeding, <laughs> and it, and as soon as it does stop bleeding, the band aid comes off. Okay, because otherwise it's just a big collector of dirt and goo and oil and everything. That's all it does. Okay, um, so but yeah, you got to be willing to put up with a certain amount of pain. So it's just part of the process, at least for me anyway. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and, and you don't get to, you don't see your typical technician get a small gash, and all of a sudden they stop their work, and they go get the rubbing alcohol and the Band-Aid. And, you know, if you're that concerned about germs, um, well, good luck with working on cars. And frankly, I actually was talking with a doctor one time because I had cut my finger to where it did require stitches. And we got talking about that. I'm surprised sometimes that, that we, we meaning auto repair technicians, um, I found that we don't tend to get, you know, infections or anything like that. And, and the doctor looks at me, he says, you're dealing with what, gasoline and oil and petroleum products and stuff? And I go, yeah. And he says, there's not a germ alive that could live through that. Okay. Um, you know, you can clean it off with some alcohol and go back to work, you know, control the bleeding or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, given proper health and, and nutrition, it's going to heal up. The body's an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, you go from there. I mean, do I have literally hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of scars on my hands? Yeah. You know, little tiny gashes here and there, but a dermatologist sees them. I mean, I've, I've gone to one before and he's like, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I work on cars. Oh, okay, well, that explains, because he, he could see, you know, he noticed all these little, small, little scars, okay? They're just discolorations, because hopefully the skin heals properly. But anyway, all part of the fun, a little bit of pain. So, okay, well, that's on that. Um, now I'm going to talk about an article uh, that I've got here that is talking about, this is dated... Um, well, March 13th of 2021, and um, 
We're going to talk kind of really specifically about the, you know, the potential for income levels and some different things that are going on. This is actually, uh, they're highlighting at a BMW dealership, okay? Uh, this is in the Inquirer, and I don't mean the National Inquirer. Uh, it's a, it's a article by Scott Sturgis. It's dated uh, March 13th of 2021. And it says, as auto repair goes high tech, top technicians can earn over $100,000 a year. Okay, um, so the the uh, the situation is this particular fella is working in a BMW repair shop, okay, a dealership I should say, okay, and one of the new pieces of of uh, equipment they have there through BMW is called a, a either it's well it's T S A R A Tassara, it's called a technical support and research assistant, okay. Um, to, to, to put this in a picture for you, it's basically a headset that he wears, or she, uh, with obviously a microphone, uh, earbud type thing. But what's, what gets it high tech is, is that there's a eyepiece viewfinder that the person's looking through, okay? And they're looking at a uh, video screen, and they're actually asking the, the computer to do different things. And the crazy part about it is that on the other end, potentially, of this whole situation, besides the car being plugged in, this is where they're doing onboard diagnostics, is they're also potentially an engineer is at the other end of this or at, at as part of this uh, conversation, so to speak. And so they're seeing everything that the tech is looking at on the screen, and it's, they certainly hear what he's saying, and they can communicate with him, okay? And the engineer is also seeing what the car is showing, okay? So I'm just going to read this article real quick, and, and uh, you know, this is stuff that's happening right now. So in any case, uh, Mark Grayston looks like a computer engineer or programmer with an eyepiece strapped to his head, peering at two monitors, and reading out commands to his software interface. Scan task, Gray Grayston said quietly. Continue, he added after a moment. Uh, Grayson isn't in the tech sector, though. His job increasingly shares similarities w with workers who spend their days grappling with software. Grayston, who's 40, is at the keyboard searching for repair instructions and diagnostic action plans on a two, uh, 2021 BMW X6. The futuristic eyepiece links to the Tessera interface, technical support and research assistance. Yeah, research assistance application. As Grayston looks through the eyepiece, he can page through online shop manuals, see the diagram of an area of the engine or a specific part, and share information with a specialist so that person can see what the technician is viewing. Digitalization has taken over the automotive industry in the last year or so, said Grayston, um, overseeing 26 BMW technicians at the Westchester Automobile Dealer. While many people still consider auto repair to be grimy, wrench-turning grunt work, the field today is as different from that notion as a gas-guzzling 1980 Ford Fairmont is from a 2021 Volvo XC90 recharge. And while the trade is changing, incorporating more sophisticated tools to diagnose and repair increasingly more complex cars that can truly be described as computers on wheels, the core of the craft, the, underlining, the underlining skills, remain. 
There's still knowledge and hands-on in diagnostics, said auto service manager Chris Clayton. You still have to do your due diligence. Uh, the work is very different from what it was. The terms mechanic and votech, shorthand for vocational technical school, are long out of favor. It's auto repair technician and career technical education, said Marianne Alvarino, director of operations for the Auto Dealers Association of Greater Philadelphia. The upgrade in title reflects the fundamental transformation underway in the entire automotive industry. Considering the complexity of today's vehicles, said Jeffrey Jennings, Volvo Car America's technical training senior manager, the internal combustion engine will one day be found only in museums as more and more car makers convert their fleets to electric vehicles. There are already components of autonomous driving, automatic braking systems, adaptive cruise control in most vehicles. All the different radar and LIDAR systems we have on cars now are far more complicated than even a Boeing 787, Jennings said. While the average car in 2010 had about 10 million lines of code, they're talking about software code, obviously, it's now increased tenfold and beyond, according to McKinsey & Company and Bosch. For its F-150 presentation at the Consumer Electronics Show at Las Vegas in 2016, said the truck had 150 million lines of code. Okay. The average military plane, or for that matter, a Boeing commercial jet, has typically about 30 to 50 million lines of code. That's just my own study that I ran across. Okay. So obviously co cars are flat-out rolling computers, very powerful with a lot going on. Okay, back to the article. A 2018 McKinsey report, ready for inspection, the automotive aftermarket in 2030, said that some automobiles by 2030 would have about 300 million lines of code and recommended manufacturers beef up the software and electronics training of service technicians. Much more training now required. Auto technicians require a lot of training with the growing complexity of their work and sophistication of their tools. Stephen Dwyer, a team leader at Autos, said that a new BMW technician hire could go to in-person training at a company training facility for eight days during the first year on the job, and a seasoned BMW technician would normally spend 40 hours a year on web-based training. Although hooking up cars to diagnostic computers may seem like old news, in today's more complex vehicles, even a seemingly simple problem such as a failed headlamp on a 2009 BMW 3 Series can still require data from multiple control modules, wiring, and even igniters for bulbs that use xenon gas. Jennings, who joined Volvo about 18 months ago, said one of his projects there has been to update the company training requirements for expert-level technicians. It now requires up to 50 instructor-led days and three assessments, up from 16 days and some web-based training. This is on top of the prerequisites for lower levels and a standard year or so training in basic auto repair uh, or at a technical trade school. Undergirding all of this growing sophistication is the basic basics needed for tech remain the same, said Keith Yancey, a director with Mopar's Career Automotive Program, or CAP, which partners with 100 technical schools nationwide to provide certified technical training. 
Uh, Yancey outlined the best skills auto technicians require, such as general mechanical ability, facility with diagnostics and computers, and problem solving and people skills. There we are. Okay, what I what I already mentioned. People who like solving puzzles tend to do very well as an automotive technician. Yancey said, "The future of the career." For at least the last decade, dealers and repair shops have been in great need of skilled technicians. The the need for top-notch auto technicians has been a long-term problem, said Hector Guzman, field director of Auto Dealers Association of Greater Philadelphia. While the Bureau of Labor Statistics projects a decline in employment in the broad field of about 4% through 2029, representatives from from the post-secondary school Universal Technical Institute perhaps not surprisingly, disagree and expect a wave of retiring boomers will create 100,000 job openings annually over the next decade or so. Universal Technical Institute, or UTI, has 14 training locations in eight states, including Pennsylvania. Local experts caution that it's important to draw a distinction between the broader industry and the more high-end technicians at workplaces like BMW and Volvo. Okay. Um... Everything I've read in the last couple of years, and this is true about, I mean, I'm a boomer, okay? At some point, yeah, I'm going to retire or retire ultimately. Uh, <laughs> who knows? I may keep working until I can't work anymore, okay? But obviously at some point, I'm not going to be around anymore just like the rest of us, okay? And so there's going to be a lot of older technicians that uh, have come up through a lot of life experiences that are going to be leaving the industry, Okay. From what I've read, we basically have a shortage of about 70,000 auto repair technicians annually. Okay. So the opportunities are out there. When I get reading, I'm again, I'm, again, I'm not an employer. I, have, I don't have any employees. I work by myself. But I certainly read about different things that are going out there. And probably one of the number one concerns and challenges that, that auto repair shop owners have is finding skilled, qualified technicians. Okay, we're not talking about someone who's, you know, fiddled with their car and, oh, I want to become a technician now. Uh, I'm not saying they can't, but they got a long, a long, uh, long road to haul on that deal or to go. Okay, and most shops, frankly, are, you know, depending upon your age. I mean, if you're in high school or maybe you've graduated from a, a trade tech school, you still don't have really very much experience. Um, so yes, there are shops that will certainly hire you and you can start off and go from that point. But, um, you know, it, it, there's only one way to get experience and that's not surprisingly through actually doing what it is you're trying to get experience in. So anyway, Guzman of the Auto Dealers Association said the pandemic has deepened what he deems a shortage of technicians with service managers unable to fill the needs of, at, at dealerships. While Jennings at Volvo said the dealership is finding it difficult to keep its service base filled with workers, we need about 400 technicians a year, and we, Volvo, are only finding upwards of 220, Jennings said, so there's still a big gap. Filling that gap will take workers like Dan Scott, a technician who's been with BMW since 2018 and joined Autos in January. Scott said even though he always he's always interested in cars, he tried the college route first. He found it wasn't for him. It took me trying to it took me trying college to realize I have to be using my hands all the time, Scott said. See, well there you go. 
See, he, I would say, you know, considering that he's probably a relatively young guy, um, he probably in his high school days, they probably did not have any kind of a vocational arts department. So he went four years through high school and the life he had before that, never realizing what his true talents and skills were and what he liked doing. And it was it was going through college and then leaving college that he realized, I like using my hands. Okay, It's sad that that kind of time is wasted because it could have been put used to finding out what your love is and, and applying, you know, learning things and experience and using tools and learning how to use tools and so on and so forth. Okay, that's part of the process. Um, you know, anytime you're doing anything that requires tools, you have to learn how to use them and use them properly and safely because otherwise you can, you can seriously hurt yourself. Okay. Um, and, and, or, I mean, obviously death is always a possibility. If you don't use something properly and, and something bad happens, it can be uh, life ending. Okay. Or you could end up, you know, cutting off fingers or whatever the case may be. Okay. So, um, you know, that's great that he, he went through that process and that seems to happen a lot is people, because everyone, you know, the, the, uh, school counselors and the school boards are all college, 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 college. Well, guess what? It's just not for everybody. Okay. So anyway, so how's the pay? A good auto technician can make well into six figures, said Mopar's Yancey. Though auto repair technicians have to earn their chops and keep learning, financial rewards can come at a younger age. Mopar's CAP website highlights a 2019 NADA study which means National Automotive Dealers Association, in case you're wondering, study showing the earnings potential for a variety of roles in the automotive service sector. While at the starting end of the scale, which would be express lube technician, averages about $31,000 a year, adding more skill raises that average in increments up to Master A technician averaging $77,400 per year. Um... Further up the ladder, a parts manager's salary averages 98000 a service manager's salary averages $120,400, and a fixed operations director, which is someone who oversees service parts in a body shop. In other words, we're talking about a huge independent or more, more, more uh, likely a dealership. Okay, So the fixed operations director, who again oversees service parts in the body shop, averages $191,000 a year. Yancey said some technicians in Stellantis dealerships, which is a group of dealerships, with the proper training experience and work can earn well above 160000 uh, In my experience, that would, be very, that would be rare, okay? But again, you apply yourself, you learn, uh, you work efficiently, productively, and assuming there's always work there, uh, you can make very good money, okay? Some specializations include areas of repair such as transmission or HVAC, which is heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Okay. Guzman explained that technicians are generally compensated on a flat rate system, what I already talked about, where workers get paid a fixed amount regardless of how long it takes. So working to get quicker pays off. Yes, that's true. But please buffer that with quality of work. It's not just about the money, at least not in my mind. Okay. So, and realize part of a uh, flat rate pay system is that if you do screw up, okay, if you do something wrong and the car comes back, uh, you get to fix it for free, 
Okay, you don't get paid again. If it, if it can be proven that, you know, you screwed something up, you did it wrong, you did it too quickly, uh, you know, your quality of work wasn't there, um, you get to fix it for free. So that's the, uh, the other side of the coin, so to speak. So uh, you get to a point where you're making solid money per flat rate hour and all of a sudden getting 60, 70 hours in a work week when you only physically worked 40 that is how you take this trade to the next level, Guzman said. Okay, You can get an apprenticeship with a retailer. You can get in at 18, three, four years in. You're not paying any cost for education. The retailer is paying for your education, sending you to Volvo, getting you top-notch training for free, said Chris Rusco, a master technician and shop foreman for a Volvo dealership in Winchester, Virginia. You're not making a whole lot of money the first couple of years, but as you evolve, I mean, all of my technician friends and myself, we do very well. We're able to support our families. But that level requires a great deal of training, preparation, and experience. And auto service manager Clayton expects more change in the future. Now that we're headed towards electrification, it's going to be a whole new ball game, Clayton said. Of course, he's talking about electric vehicles. So, again... It's never-ending process. Uh, you're constantly learning. The technology is constantly changing. I can certainly foresee a day. I suppose it's possible. I I, I put it this way. I don't know if if it's going to be ever possible necessarily. Well, maybe 50 or 100 years down the road. But you know, let's face it. We all. I mean, this is currently 2021, and we all still see Model A's and Model T's running around from time to time. We all still see, you know, the old classic cars from the 50s and 60s and 70s and, and even 80s running around, okay? So I don't know if those are ever going to be completely off the road, okay? I mean, they aren't already, okay? You know, you have a Model A's and Model T's that were built in the early 1900s, and yet here they are, okay, well over 100 years later. So, um, you know, whether or not that's going to change eventually, I'm sure it probably will. Maybe it's another 50 or 100 years, okay, to where, okay, every car on the road is electric. Um, people don't realize, you know, talking specifically about electric, I mean, again, that's a, that's a constantly changing technology. As it stands right now, people don't realize that when you look at the entire uh, manufacturing and distribution process, um, you know, the, the environmental savings is, is uh, you know, certainly as you're driving the car, although it could be argued where did the electricity come from, but people don't realize that the manufacturing process is, is unfortunately, is not very efficient. And um, I was reading an article recently that when you take the average hybrid and look at its total lifetime pollutants, and this is including, including manufacturing and bringing it to market, and then obviously through its usage, over 50% of the total lifetime pollutants that that uh, car is going to produce, so to speak, have already occurred before the car is even delivered to the dealership to be sold. So obviously the manufacturing process is not very efficient from an environmental standpoint. Okay, Can we make it better? I'm sure we can. Okay, Hopefully over time it will become better. But people, you know... This is why it's funny when people talk about electric cars and, oh, it's zero emissions. Where'd the electricity come from? Okay. I mean, we in the U.S., we just recently got to where that less than 50% of our total of our electrical production is coal-fired. It just recently went to less than 50% is coal-fired. Okay. So, 
you know, you can potentially pat yourself on the back as far as that you bought yourself an electric car, but I wouldn't take too much credit for the idea that you're not producing any uh, environmental impact. You are, okay? Um, and even if you think that, hey, you've got solar cells at your home and you're you're 100% off the grid or whatever, well, do some research about how, how and where those solar cells are made, okay? And check into that. Uh, if your solar pack for your house or whatever is made in the U.S. or in Europe, okay, you did the environment a favor. If it was made, made in the Asian content, uh, continents, you didn't, okay? Uh, check how they, how they do that stuff, but anyway, okay, off subject. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for this one. Um, you know, being a t uh, repair technician, really of anything, I, it can be a very rewarding career. Uh, are you going to become a, uh, you know, self-made millionaire uh well you could okay uh there's lots of technicians frankly most shop owners or previous technicians okay uh that's that's just kind of the the path so there is always you know that possibility that you start off as a, a as a person who's sweeping the floors and cleaning up and and doing minor work and whatever 10 15 20 30 years later you're a shop owner or maybe even a what's called an mso a multiple shop owner okay to where you don't even have to work on cars anymore okay it's really it's up to you okay so it's wide open um it can be very rewarding i mean let's face it you you are keeping wherever it is you live you are keeping things moving literally and figuratively okay uh, i was just talking with my daughter the other day that you know the what if game what if every single person who works on cars as a for instance or works on anything that's a transportation device in the USA or anywhere in the world what if we all went on strike for oh you know a couple weeks a month okay what if the place would come to a standstill okay I mean cars would keep moving until they didn't okay things would start breaking and you're on the side of the road and we're all on strike sorry okay I mean, this, frankly, this is one reason why uh, only 10% of automotive, automotive repair professionals in the U.S. are unionized. And there might be reasons for that, okay? Uh, we don't tend to, we, we just, we, we typically, there's areas, for whatever reason in California, San Francisco is a very high union area. Don't really know why, but that's the way it is. But across the country, only 10% of, of auto repair technicians are unionized. So... The, the, the idea of what I just said happening is probably not going to happen, but what if it did? Okay, people would be screwed. You're on the side of the road with your car. Okay, so anyway, it can be a very rewarding career, and you can make good money at it, and you can have, you know, good days and get a lot of things accomplished. So hopefully you found this interesting, and if you're just, you know, if you're a customer who's driving a car and you could care less about it, uh, at least it, it maybe it gives you an idea of what, what your repair technician brings to the, uh, uh, to the experience and, and getting your car repaired. So hopefully, if nothing else, maybe you, you got educated and a little bit, uh, have an appreciation for what it takes to be an auto repair technician. So I appreciate your time. Uh, as usual, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And again, um, you know, check out that uh, Become a Patron. Uh, it does open up some some pretty good um, uh, opportunities as far as uh, some podcasts I've done that I, I know if you apply the information, you'll save literally 
thousands and thousands of dollars. So hopefully that's worthwhile to you. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.